0: What's up, Second Chance? Hope everybody is having a phenomenal week or has had a phenomenal week. Also want to say hey to our friends in Tennessee up at Live Today Today's gonna to be a little different. Today, you guys are gonna to get to get a sneak peek in on some of the teaching that we did over here in Jerusalem. Originally, we thought that we were gonna do the broadcast from the Mount of Olives, but we said, why limit it to the Mount of Olives? Why not do it from a place called Mount Arbel, why not do it from the Mount of Olives? And why not do it from the Garden Tomb? So, over these next few minutes, you're going to receive some teaching um, live from the Holy Land, and hopefully Jesus will use this to encourage you and inspire you. I want to set up by going to Psalm 55. So if you'll go to Psalm 55 for just a second. I want, I want to show you um, compare and contrast two different types of attitudes when people went through some of the things we experience. So what we're in right now, this is this is the Kidron Valley. It's the valley that exists between the Mount of Olives and the Old City. And there's a, te- there's a story in the Old Testament and we won't read through it. Many of you probably heard it before. Where King David is betrayed by his son Absalom and he is forced to leave the city because absalom is going to come in and betray him and he goes through this valley so he the bible said he literally came down went through this valley and goes up the mount of olives and he's escaping um, from his enemies and this is what he writes in psalm 55 and it's um and i think i think it's specifically in regards to a gentleman or to a guy who betrayed him named ahithophel who was one of his best friends and the bible said that ahithophel went over to absalom's side and david um the thing i love about the psalms is how real and how raw they are and so david in the scriptures is called a man after god's own heart so with that in mind let's just read a couple of the things he said while he's going through this valley to escape. We're going to start in verse four. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that? And you get told when you feel like that, that it's ungodly. But here we have a man after God's own heart writing down, I'm freaked out. In fact, he said, I'm overwhelmed. That's a good book title, by the way. <laughs> verse six, I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I want to pause. There've been some people that have said the song, the old Southern gospel song. I'll fly away was inspired by this verse. And they're 100% wrong David was not talking about going to glory watch the rest of the text and what he says oh that I had the wings of a dove exclamation point I would fly away and be at rest I would flee far away and stay in the desert I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm so basically, what he's saying is when we go through times of trouble, when you experience seriously tough times, the very first thing that we want to do, and I know this from personal experience, is isolate. But when we isolate ourselves, usually we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. Because when we isolate ourselves, we get into negative self talk, we get into tearing ourselves down, which is why community in times of trouble, in times of being overwhelmed, is so important david's pissed david's really pissed because i want you to skip down um just look at verse 12. if an enemy were insulting insulting me i could endure it if a foe were rising against me i could hide but it is you a man like myself my companion and my close friend with whom i once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of god as we walked about among the worshipers david's saying I, I had community, but this dude turns his back on me, which all of us have experienced that before. Somebody's turned their back. And what that what that usually does is it says, well, I couldn't trust that person, so I can't trust anybody else. But that is such a dangerous mindset for us to get into. I want to just go ahead and confess, that's the easiest mindset for me to get into. But it's a dangerous mindset to be into. In, in. Now th- I want you to watch what David, a man after God's own heart, says, because he's so—he's just so honest before God. And I think that's the reason he's a man after God's own heart. It's not because of his purity, okay? It's because of his honesty. I want you to—I want you to uh, look at this verse, verse 15. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them he basically says in this verse I wish they would I wish they would go to hell <laughs> alive he doesn't ask me he says, I want them to go down to hell alive he is so angry and so bitter which usually happens when we isolate ourselves right so David leaves Jerusalem comes through this valley to escape and The rest of the story it turns out okay for him he builds a temple and has a son but then solomon like really screwed everything up that's not the point go to matthew 26 because jesus comes and i'll show you this when we're at the top of the mount of olives at the time the upper room was the highest point of the city jesus comes to the lowest point of the valley once again just showing that jesus was willing to humble himself but jesus comes to gethsemane not to escape but to accept what god has for him. even though we see jesus wrestle with it a little bit we see jesus and that 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 should be a comfort to every one of us sometimes we're going to wrestle with god's will God's. Will, how many of you know that God's will isn't always the easiest thing to do? And so we're we're gonna we're gonna wrestle with it. <coughs> Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man, and we see him wrestle. But he does something unique that David doesn't do, which because he could have escaped through the valley just like David, but he didn't escape through the valley. He went through the valley. Watch this. Verse 36 of Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples, so he wasn't by himself. He wasn't by himself. He didn't isolate. To a place called Gethsemane, you're there. From now on, when you read this text, when you read this passage, you'll you'll remember that you sat in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. So once again, you see, Jesus isn't isolating himself. Even Jesus surrounded himself. Now, we we know they went to sleep and all this other stuff. Doesn't matter. Jesus said, in this season, when I could be completely overwhelmed, I'm not going to be alone. So the Bible says... See here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter James, uh, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed. Who else? Who else who went through this valley said that? Yeah. David said the same thing. But David used it to escape. Jesus admitted that his soul was overwhelmed, but he's still willing to go through it. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is intense, intense um, mental anguish that Jesus is going through. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, because there are some times that we, we need to be around people, but we've got to talk to God on our own. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will but as you will I think that's an incredibly awesome prayer God this is what I want but God if it's not what you want then I want to do what you want I I think God's okay with that I think God's okay with us just being incredibly honest with him and the thing about Jesus is he doesn't just pray at once it keeps going then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping couldn't you Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray that so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. Same thing. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He's not. In other words, he's not looking for a way of escape. He's looking for a way of surrender. God, I'm not trying to escape your will. I'm trying to surrender to it. When he came back he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So something about... Something about the community that he was with, something about that really honest prayer time before God gave him the courage to step into what was going to be the next 24 hours were going to be hands down the roughest 24 hours of his life. Now, we've all been there. We've all been there. So what I like to think about when I come to this place is, is there something I'm trying to escape that God wants me to go through? Is there something that i'm trying to escape that god wants me to go through because david was escaping he wanted to be alone he wanted people to go to hell jesus actually after this encounter the people that crucify him he prays for them and so that's the difference in the attitude between jesus and david so that that's what i want to leave you with for a few minutes just to kind of think about. Reflect about and then we'll go over to the other part of the garden. Is there anything That we're trying to escape that God is actually calling us to walk through Um, The cool thing about this is Bible says that God uses all things to speak truth and I learned several years ago that God even uses the geography of Israel to preach the gospel so we'll start in the uppermost part of Israel, the tallest mountain in this area, the tallest mountain around period is Mount, Mount it's called Mount Hermon or Mount Hermon. It, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's one of those two ways. Um, and it's the tallest mountain. And geographically, that would represent God being at the highest point. Mount Hermon, um, the waters from it feed into the Sea of Galilee. Um, there's actually, this is kind of unique, but there's three sources of water that feed into the Sea of Galilee. So some people want to compare that to the Trinity. Some people don't. It doesn't matter to me, but there's three sources that feed into the Sea of Galilee. Now, the, the ministry of Jesus was done basically, right here's Tiberias, where we stayed, to Capernaum. So between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock is where most of the ministry of Jesus was taken place got ga- in the Galilee region now Capernaum Capernaum means comfort and a lot of us I mean I know me I like being comfortable and Jesus was in this area doing ministry but his call when he came to earth wasn't to be comfortable what was what was the ultimate reason Jesus came to die so if you trace the Jordan River considering where Jesus came if his mission was to die Jordan River goes all the way down to the what? Dead Sea. sea. So you got the highest point to the lowest point. Once again, that's Philippians 2.5. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Now the other cool part is that you can take about a 90 degree angle and the gospel is not only preached from north to south, but the gospel is preached from east to west. On this side of the Jordan is where you get Um, this Mount Nebo and this is where they would have gathered together once more in the book of Deuteronomy to hear the Ten Commandments one more time if you've read through the Old Testament Deuteronomy basically repeats Exodus and you're like why is why are they repeating well because all the people that heard the original commands in Exodus were dead they died in the desert remember because they weren't faithful or whatever so you got Mount Nebo right here but in order to come down to the in order to get to the Jordan River so the progression is going to be this way in order to get to the Jordan River you have to come down off the mountain and that's that's symbolic of the fact that in order for us to receive Christ we have to humble ourselves we have to admit that the law that the commands are not good enough for us we have to humble ourselves and come down to the Jordan. Now the Israelites crossed the Jordan, very, very symbolic, because the Jordan represents the journey of Jesus. So when you cross the Jordan, imagine this for just a second. Baptism, bapti- when we're baptized, that's what that symbolizes. Baptism, imagine Jesus being baptized, the, the water being our passing through here, the water going down, to the Dead Sea the reason this is symbolic is because what happens to our sins when we meet Christ they die what can live in the Dead Sea nothing 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 lives in the Dead Sea once you pass through Jesus your sins are dead forever the journey continues though we continue west and the very first battle that the Israelites fought when they came into the land with Jericho and you know once you meet Christ it's really awesome but everybody's gonna face their Jericho they won the battle but if you read um, if you read Joshua chapter 7 the the what was the guy's name Gila that is slipping me that, that stole the money in Jericho Achan Achan I wanted to say AI but that was the battle Achan stole some money in Jericho God said you can't can't touch anything in Jericho can't take any plunder does anybody know why because Jericho was the first and the first always belongs to God first always belongs to God Achan touched the first and him and his whole family were killed pretty pretty part we don't do that anymore but it was symbolic of the fact that in our journey towards Jerusalem we're all gonna face a Jericho we're all gonna face something that kind of pulls us off the path As we're going up, as we're continuing to go west on this journey, on this road, Jesus tells a story in the Gospel of Luke about the Good Samaritan. um, And the reason people connected to that story so well is because there is a road that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a very common spot that people would have been very aware of, and the priest walks by, the Levite walks by, they don't help. Who comes and helps the guy? The, the Samaritan so one of the questions that we've got to ask on our journey is what kind of people are we going to be especially to the people that are nothing like us you know Christians are kind of known for what we're against but we're never known a lot of times for what we're for And in our journey with Jesus the closer we get to Jesus the more we're gonna become like him and you've heard me say this maybe before <laughs> Jesus loved people that were nothing like him and people that were nothing like him liked him As we continue to go west, right before we get to this place, we come to a place called Bethany or Bethpage. That was the home of Mary, Martha, Lazarus, who Jesus brought back from the dead. And that's just a reminder that if we're gonna journey in our walk with Christ, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We all need community. We all need people to be strong for us when we're not strong. We need people that will weep with us when we weep and rejoice with us when we rejoice. Unfortunately, a lot of times Christians Want to make you rejoice when they should just sit down and weep with you. You know what I'm saying? All right. As we continue to go here, we we get to the Mount of Olives, where we are right now. Now, this is you would think you would think that this is the the pinnacle of the journey, and all of us in in this group and all of us watching right now online have had unbelievably what I would call a spiritually high experience. Maybe it was a worship service maybe it was the day we got saved maybe it was the day we got baptized but we've all had that spiritual high that thing that just absolutely it's like hey we've arrived but Jesus's journey wasn't to just get to the Mount of Olives it was to get to Jerusalem so what did Jesus have to excuse me what did Jesus have to cross to get from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem he had to go through a valley. And a lot of times when we get on that spiritual high, we we would love to live there. But there's a valley afterwards, isn't it? All of us have either been through a valley, coming out of a valley, or going into a valley. The ultimate goal for Jesus is to get to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. He's crucified. First of all, he's betrayed, crucified, buried, and raised again. And that's ultimately what's gonna happen to us. Jesus, we're not gonna be crucified, but we will be raised to life when Jesus comes back. And and just the geography of the land points that out. From the highest point to the lowest point, humbling ourselves, becoming the kind of person that Jesus was on this journey. And ultimately, ultimately our call is to give our life because he gave his life. And that's the, that's the thing I love about the geography of Israel. It actually preaches the gospel from north to south and from east to west. I, I kind of wanted to finish up our day today with this teaching. And I, you don't have to answer out loud, but just ask yourself this question. Why are you a believer? Why are you a Christian? And there's a lot of different religions in the world why are you a Christian the second question is has it always been easy like being a Christian Um, I wrote down three words when I started thinking about my my experience and I think these are three words that we can all kind of identify with the first one is confused and there's been several times in my journey with Christ that I've been confused like when my mom died and she was a godly woman and I can understand why Ungodly people died, but I couldn't understand why godly people would die. I was 11 years old. Um, I was confused when a pastor told me one time that women have one less rib in their body than men, and I had a biology teacher um, blow that out of the water my freshman year in college. I was confused. I was like, okay, did it, have I been lied to my whole life? Um, the second word I wrote down, is hurt and everybody everybody in the circle knows what it's like to be hurt by somebody um who's a christian i mean non-christians that's understandable but you've been hurt some people have walked away from a church or churches because of hurt that you've personally experienced and the last one is disappointed all of us in this in the circle have experienced disappointment on some level um, whether it's with people whether it's with circumstances whether it's with an organization all of us have experienced that but if you if you ever look down on yourself for feeling one of those three things or all three things hurt or confused hurt and disappointed don't feel bad because let me ask you this way have you ever thought man if I could have just been with Jesus and seen one of the miracles I think I'd be good. I think I'd be okay. Have you ever thought that? Anybody ever thought that besides me? Um, Because I've thought that, but as I read the scriptures, I'm completely wrong. Because they were with Jesus and saw every miracle and still had a hard time believing that the resurrection was real. In fact, the three things I wrote down that the apostles experienced is they were confused. Because they thought Jesus was the political messiah that was coming to set them free from the Roman oppression. They were hurt because they had given three years of their life to this guy and all of a sudden he's gone. They were also disappointed because they probably felt like all this time that they had spent with Jesus, even being that close to the miracles, they probably felt like all that time was wasted. We are just having a conversation earlier. The fact that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went and got the body of Jesus and took him off the cross and gave him a burial is a miracle because people that were crucified were not buried. They were thrown on the on the trash heap and either burned or eaten by dogs. And so Jesus got a burial. And that's where we're going to pick it up. If you got a Bible, you want to go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And and this is this is for anybody who's ever had a hard time believing the promises of God. This is and and I don't I don't know about you but I've had some I've I've had some hard times believing the promises of God. So if you've ever had a hard time believing the promises of God, think about something for a second. Jesus told his apostles, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he told them that five times. But it was kind of difficult for them to believe because they had never seen anybody that, They'd never seen anybody do it other than Lazarus, and Jesus is the, actually the one that brought him back from the dead. So the Bible says this. Um, well, let, me, let me say this. When they, put him, when they put him in the tomb and they walked away, they thought it was over. They thought the story was over. Nobody stood outside the tomb and counted from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. That didn't happen. It was done. And John chapter 20 verse 1 says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Listen to this, verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. Not He is risen. (laughs) They didn't even believe the resurrection after the resurrection and we don't even know who they are but she says they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him in other words he's missing he's not in the tomb but we just don't know where he is verse 3 so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first that was John You know how he could kind of men are competitive so he put that in the scriptures he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Pause. He didn't believe in the resurrection. He believed that the body of Jesus was gone. That's what he believed. Nobody as Andy Stanley says on Easter nobody expected no body right you let that play with your mind for a while then the disciples went back to where they were staying they did not believe that the resurrection was real but we know it's real today we know it's real the scripture goes on to say that in fact in all four Gospels Jesus I mean all, all four stories in the same and the reason that, the reason that matters to me is whether I get hurt or whether I get confused or whether I get disappointed. My faith is not built on my emotions. My faith is built on the fact that the tomb is empty. And get this. Get this. I don't believe Christianity is built like like if 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 they come along and prove that there was no literal 6-day creation that took millions of years. I don't care because my faith isn't built on that. If somebody shows me a couple verses in the Bible that seemingly contradict, I don't care because my faith isn't built on that. If somebody questions the authority even of Scripture sometimes, I don't care because my faith isn't built on that. My faith, in fact, Christianity was started because of one reason, the empty tomb. The reason we have faith is the empty tomb. Christianity wasn't started by a series of writings, or a series of sayings, or a series of beliefs. It started with an event called the resurrection. And we I don't believe the resur, in the resurrection because the, just because the Bible says there was a resurrection. I believe in the resurrection because a guy named Matthew, who was a disciple of Jesus, wrote an account of the life of Jesus and wrote down what happened with the resurrection. I believe it because Mark, who interviewed Simon Peter, wrote about the resurrection. I believe it because Luke, who carefully investigated these things, he says in Luke chapter 1, wrote an account of the resurrection. I believe it because John, the disciple that Jesus loved, wrote an account of the resurrection. I believe it because James, the brother of Jesus, called Jesus Lord. Now, for those of you that have a brother, what would it take for you to call your brother Lord? <laughs> Resurrection. The resurrection is probably the only thing, right, that would cause that to happen. I believe in all these things simply because the tomb is empty. So when I get hurt, when I get confused, and I get frustrated, and my faith gets shaken, this is the place I have to bring myself back to. The tomb is empty, and because the tomb is empty, this is real. And because this is real, that means anything is possible. That's why I love coming to this place. And just stopping and reflecting on the flat on the fact that he's not in there but he's coming back that's it hey that I mean I'm telling you this place this is my 16th trip over here and I learned something brand new every single time Um, I I just want to let you know that we're gonna be back next week and we're starting a brand new series on spiritual warfare and we're actually titling the series spiritual warfare that's that's what I mean I couldn't think of anything I really i tried to think of some stuff and that's all I could come up with so and and hopefully next week we'll have some additional building updates um, for second chance if we can pray for you let us know on our Facebook site or email us at hello at we'd love to know how we can pray for you this week and can't wait till next Sunday to start the brand new series. The best really is yet to come.